Welcome to day 195 of the story that changes everything. Our readings for today are Isaiah chapters 37 through 39. Here are some thoughts to guide your reading for today. Chapter 37 begins with Hezekiah's response to the threats of the Assyrian king Sennacherib. His initial response is rightly fear, but rather than obfuscate or work on making alliances with other nations as his father Ahaz did, Hezekiah runs to the temple. He also sent messengers to Isaiah in the hopes of receiving a prophetic word as well. Again, like Isaiah's earlier word to his father Ahaz, the prophet's response is simple and full of faith. Hezekiah, do not fear. The word from Isaiah is that God will act to deliver Jerusalem. The one who's trying to bring fear upon Judah will himself turn around in fear and return to his own country. And there, Sennacherib, the one who has chopped down so much of Israel, will himself be cut down in his own land. But before the Assyrian king returned home, he had one more message of threat for Judah. This time, the message was directed straight at King Hezekiah. The core of the threat was the same. Do not be deceived and believe that Yahweh will save you. All the other gods and nations have fallen to Assyria and Judah, and Yahweh will be no different. Hezekiah, receiving this threatening message, throws himself down before the Lord in a great act of faith. He lays all the threats before God and prays an amazing prayer of praise, lament, and petition. The prayer indicates that the intimidation tactics of Assyria have not worked. In this moment, Hezekiah became the kind of king Isaiah expected and his father failed to be. Hezekiah led the people in a way that reminded them that God is with them. In response to Hezekiah's faith, a second message arrives from Isaiah. God has heard Hezekiah's prayer and now proclaims an oracle of judgment upon Assyria and Sennacherib. Assyria's defiance is not against Judah, but against God. And because of Sennacherib's arrogance against God, the one who has taken others captive and led them into exile will himself be taken captive by God. Notice Hezekiah, like his father before him, is offered a sign by God. The sign itself is not very clear. It seems to suggest that because of devastation, the agriculture in the land will cease for the first year after the devastation, and in the second year, only the leftover crops will produce food. But the sign is that in the third year, normalcy will be restored and the crops will flourish again. The chapter ends with the failure of Sennacherib to accomplish his inevitable conquest of Jerusalem and His untimely death at the hands of his own family seals his fate. The crisis of Assyria is averted in chapter 37, but the crisis of Hezekiah's health begins chapter 38. There's no hint that Hezekiah's declining health is an act of judgment, but simply it's part of the fragileness of being human. Initially, even the word from Isaiah is not hopeful. But even in these new set of circumstances, Hezekiah is portrayed as a leader of prayer. And again, God hears his prayer and grants him an additional 15 years of life. The psalm or poem of thanksgiving included in the chapter celebrates God's faithfulness to both Hezekiah and to Jerusalem. Some scholars think that in the story about Hezekiah's health and God's temporary restoration, there's also a kind of allegory about Jerusalem Jerusalem lived under a sentence of death, like Hezekiah, at the hands of Assyria, but God brought both of them healing and safety. However, as was the case in Hezekiah, that healing was temporary and in response to Hezekiah's faithful leadership. Eventually, Hezekiah will die 
and eventually Babylon will come and take the people of Jerusalem into exile. Chapter 39 serves as a brief transition between the Assyrian conflict in the 8th century BC during the days of Ahaz and Hezekiah, and then the time of exile and return from Babylon in the 6th century BC. That will be the context for chapters 40 through 66. This 39th chapter introduces the emerging power and threat of Babylon. In response to their kindness and alliance, Hezekiah shows the Babylonians all the wealth and power remaining in Judah. The text seems to hint that this was a bad move, kind of like giving a potential thief a tour of your house so they know exactly what to steal and exactly how to steal it. It's not clear that Isaiah's word of judgment and the future of exile that will come is in response to Hezekiah's foolish tour or not. Either way, the word is that Babylon will eventually come. It's also not clear if Hezekiah's response is somewhat arrogant, simply thankful that this destruction won't come on his watch, kind of like saying, well, it isn't my problem, or if it's a statement of faithfulness and an affirmation of the goodness of God, kind of like saying, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. Whichever is the case, the importance of the text is to place the threat of Babylon front and center and prepare us as readers for the break in the story that the Babylonian exile will bring. There's much to honor and praise in the character of Hezekiah. Facing enormous threat, he trusts not only the prophetic word from Isaiah, but he trusts the goodness and faithfulness of God. And as I've said before, I at times feel sorry for the way Ahaz is remembered. He did what good leaders are supposed to do, calculate the risks of a situation and then come up with some creative solutions. The problem was that when he did his calculations, he failed to include God in. What made Hezekiah so significant was that he led in ways that remembered the presence and the action of God. May we too be people who remember and remind others that God is with us. Our next set of texts turn us to the return from exile and one of the most beautiful texts in all of Isaiah. Tomorrow, we're reading Isaiah 40 through 42, and we're adding Psalm 82. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.